Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Good morning. Um, to my old wrestling friends, or as my papa would say, wrestling friends, uh, I feel a little bit like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty this morning, tag teaming off the top rope. And so, um, anyway, it's pretty, pretty wild. So, but that's this part of life, right? We live in that world, right? Kids get sick. Um, things happen. We all live in that world. And that's why we look forward to a better world, a Christ who's come to redeem us. And I thank God that he is our peace, our strength, our endurance. I know that they have prayed. I'm sure they've been panicked. I apologize. Um, but I, I desperately need to pray for a moment um, for my own soul and um, for the good of yours. So pause with me again with, for a moment. Father, please let this hour, these moments, these minutes be meaningful. Father, I pray now that you will cause me to slow. Um, God, my heart's beating like the Energizer Bunny. Um so I need to slow right now in this moment, God, to not rush past it, to not take the hecticness of my life to come in and throw this as part of the message. So, Father, I pray now that you indeed are God alone, that you don't need me. You don't need my sermon. You don't need me here. Um, God, you have ruled and reigned from before time began, and you will rule and reign forever and ever. So, Father God, I am just um, simply clay this morning. And so, Lord, I recognize that. But Lord, yet we still stand here on the precipice of eternity, realizing that I'm a dying man speaking to dying men and dying women. And so, Father, I pray now that you would allow your word to speak and that this word that you have given us through the prophet Isaiah, it would sit in our hearts and it would be good soil. I pray this for the glory of Christ. Amen. Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, relates a story of how a Russian prostitute and a man that was a murderer... Um, came together, and you can kind of imagine how the rendezvous might have happened. There's a rickety small table in Sonia's room, and there's this twisted metal that is holding this little sin- single candle with a flame. As she looks around the room, and her and this gentleman, I try to pronounce it in my best r- Russian pronunciation, Raskolnikov, she glances and she sees this chest of drawers, and there's a book on it, and he takes it down. It's a New Testament, and he hands it to Sonia and asks her to begin reading it. Ruth Bell records twice that she tries without being able to utter a syllable, and finally, at last, she succeeds. She closes the book. She seems afraid to raise her eyes on Raskolnikov. Her feverish trembling continues. The dying piece of a candle dimly lights up this low, singled room in which an assassin and a harlot have just read the book of books. There is Raskolnikov, most prodigal of prodigal sons, and there is Sonia, most prodigal of prodigal daughters, bending together over the living pages that points all prodigals to the Father's house. It's in these moments as they tremble over God's Word, as they hear the hope of the Gospel and yet the reality that we stand separated from a holy God. And so I begin this morning with that illustration to let you and I know that today's message is for anyone and everyone. 
You're not disqualified from hearing what God has to say to us here in the first six verses of the prophet Isaiah as we address this issue or this idea of how to get God's attention or how might we get God's approval. It was June 27th, 1819, one of the great missionaries that's ever lived, Adoniram Judson. He baptized his first convert in Burma and his wife records these words about Mung Nao and how he responded to Scripture. She says these, A few days ago I was reading with him Christ's Sermon on the Mount. He was deeply impressed and unusually solemn. These words, said he, take hold on my liver. They make me tremble. It's God who will speak to the prophet Isaiah some 2,700 years now removed from us, saying these things in verse 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. Listen to this. This is where we're going to land today. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. John Piper notes the fact that first it's his fear because it reveals our sin. We tremble at God's word because it first reveals our sin. And then secondly, because we have faith that it reveals God's grace. There's a trembling of what happens as we hear the truth of who we are separated from a holy God. And then there's this moment of trembling. To realize that there's a God who loves us despite our sin, who sends His Son for us to die on the cross in the midst of our sin. And this, beloved, causes us to tremble. And yet, I wrote these words, Yet week after week, year after year, when I hear the Word of God, I so rarely tremble. Maybe I might ask you this morning, when's the last time you trembled when you heard the Word of God? When's the last time that you trembled Hearing this word. I believe that it must indicate that either I must think my sin is not that bad or the gospel and the glory and the grace of God is not that great. So I want to ask you this morning, when's the last time that you trembled as you heard the word of God? And listen, beloved, there has been those in scripture and those throughout history that literally have trembled as they have heard this word. Realizing the weight of it. So this morning, I want us to recognize maybe this big idea. Truly hearing God's word means that we will tremble and obey. Truly hearing God's word means that we will tremble and obey. This morning, we're going to hear about two different people. Some of those who refuse to hear and refuse to tremble. And yet all the while, they have their false religious worship. And then there are others. Those who hear God's word and they tremble at it and they obey. But why? Because of the relationship, not religion, not rituals, but relationship that is available to be restored to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, again, I want to set before you the idea how to get God's attention. You might wonder that. How might I get God's attention today? I'm going through some really hard stuff, or I'm struggling, or I just feel like I need, like, what do I do? How could I get God's attention today? Let the prophet Isaiah direct us to that end. First, he sets before us true worship. True worship, Isaiah defines as trembling at God's word. Look what he would begin in verse 1 of the 66th chapter of Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. 
He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. It's interesting. Listen to God asked the question there. He posed to them, what is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? It's right. I mean, God's asking there. He's again, he's the one who has directed them to build the temple, right? He had Solomon and remember David longed to and he told David, listen, you won't do it. But the son after you, Solomon, he will build my temple. And there's the building, of the temple, and it's awesome. And they come with the ark and and the presence of God is there. And it's this beautiful moment of where they spent right spent back in the wilderness tabernacling and they would set the temple up or the, the tent up of meeting and they would have to move. And now finally they have a permanent place. Right, and it's been awesome and beautiful, but look what God says to them. What is, or some translations say, where is the house that you would build for me, and where is the place of my rest? God's saying, listen, I see your beautiful temple, but like, where is it? Like, like where, is, where is this, right? I mean, it's, I think it's interesting that we labor hard at building such big and nice buildings and churches, and God says, where is it? I can't see it. I mean, can you imagine? This is the Jewish people, and they're kind of like, hey, God, listen, we did what you said, right? I mean, now, listen, it isn't God's, like, suffering from cataracts, or my grandfather said Cadillacs, right? So I got the Cadillacs, and I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, it isn't that God's suffering from cataracts. Listen, I think God's trying to communicate something to us. As important as the temple was, and again, the people had done it, why? Because God had led them to, and he gave them, right, all, the, all of how it was to be built, and, and all these great moments, and the sacrifices, and everything that happened there. But God says, listen, guys, I want you to know there's something greater than the temple, or something greater than the church building today. There's something more important today that I'm looking at way beyond how cute you look in that dress, or guys, maybe you're here in your best jeans, or what, I don't know what it is. God says, I want you to know that something's much more important than all of this stuff. It's you. It's your heart. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is the temple, what? Of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you may receive from God. He says, therefore, you are bought a price. Honor God with your body. God says, listen, guys, I want you to know there's something greater than the temple. There's something greater than any church building. And I want you to know it's you. I made you in my image to be my image bearer, to carry out to all nations that all people would know that there is a God who loves them, who died on the cross for them. And there's a God who one day will bring justice to all. And every one who refuses that will experience the wrath of God for all eternity. It's a harrowing moment, right? I mean, this, this is this, the heartbeat of God in this moment. And so I think just maybe for a moment of just practical application here as we read verse 1. Listen, I thank God for this building. I thank God for all the things that He's done. I thank God for all the ways in which He uses this building to minister to people and bring kids in. And the fact that you're here this morning. And, and listen, I recognize we've got to have a place to meet. But we've got to guard against this building becoming our treasure. We've got to guard against those buses out there becoming our holy grail. They, the, listen, those buses can never become more important than the people that sit on those buses. Are you with me? Right? So praise God for these buildings. Praise God for the things that He might like leading us to build that over there and all the ways He's used the gym. And praise God for what He's going to do in the future. But let us always, as we make decisions, ask, does this help us better make disciples in this place and to better reach this community and the nations? That needs to be our decision making, not the glory of Greensburg Baptist Church. Why? Because I think we'd all recognize that the glory of man at the end is just going to mean, it's going to mean squat, man. It doesn't mean anything. Buildings are just buildings. So let's guard against that. Why? Because God says, listen, guys, where's the house? Where's the place? Right? But look what he says here. Look what he says. It's beautiful. 
But this is, look at this statement here in verse 2. But this is the one to whom I will look. God's looking past all of those things, right? He's looking past it and he's looking, looking to the heart, right? He prefers, right? I mean, it's a beautiful moment. God isn't simply just comparing us to the temple. God is saying, I prefer you to the temple. I prefer you over the temple. Can you imagine the Jewish people hearing that? God prefers you over the temple. He prefers you. And that's why he sent his son to die for you. Why? That now, as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, that everyone who repents and and believes and is baptized will receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. It's Christ in you. This is the hope. And so God says, this is the one to whom I will look. Look what he says here. He who is humble and contrite in spirit. And this statement here is where I've just really just been captured my attention over the last week and a half. And trembles at my word. That's who God's looking to. Now, isn't it amazing of all the objects in creation, sun, moon, stars, planets, what gets God's attention is a humble and trembling heart. I mean, isn't that a breathtaking to think about you, little old you and me? I mean, let's think about even in the grand scheme of all of the universe. I mean, the earth is a speck and we're like a we're like the speck of speck, like a Horton, here's a who, right? You with me? Some of you are there, right? I mean, we're like, we're the speck of specks. And God looks past all this great, vast creation that he's spoken into existence. And he looks and he sees you. He's looking to see if you will humble yourself. Will you tremble at his word? The word tremble there, it, it indicates like this fear, this awe, this quaking. Uh, verse 5 tells us that it indicates a desire to hear God's word. Right in Ezra chapter 9 and 10 is one of the the few places that we see it kind of really lived out. The people have have forsaken God and His ways and and they've married other other people of of other lands who ultimately follow other gods. That's why God has said, don't go marrying those folks, right? Because they're going to lead you after the other gods. And that's exactly what happened. In Ezra 9 and 10, Ezra comes in, they begin to share the word of God. It says that people began to tremble. Because they realized that their way of life had not matched the truth of God's word. And they trembled when they heard it. They trembled over this word. And it's what indicates, listen, it wasn't just simply like, oh no, I'm in trouble. They said, what shall we do? How do we, how do we rectify? How do we respond to God's word? It's not just simply hearing God. So don't hear that today and think trembling is you just hearing God's word. This trembling is an obedient response. So what you hear today, so as you hear, as you tremble, as you hear God's word, as you read in the mornings or at night or at your lunch break, it's not just simply hearing and taking in God's word. There's a real trembling, like a desire to obey, a desire to follow. Right. I mean, we might ask, well, why should we even tremble at this word? But look, just maybe just a couple of things of who God is. Sometimes it's called the doctrine of God, but it's just simply who is God. Right. Maybe you've wondered. Listen to what Isaiah says. Just a couple of things about who he is. Um, listen to first there, it says of who he is back in verse one, um, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Dr. Robert Smith Jr. says that about God's omnipresence, right? That God is, he's just always present. He says that God is so big that if he moved, he would bump into himself. That's just how big God is. 
This is the God of the entire universe. Can you imagine? Again, we think about the earth and how big it is, right? Some of you have traveled much of the earth, and that's awesome, right? I, I long to, to see and experience more of this earth. But listen, I, I want you to know that this God is so big that literally He puts His foot down on the earth. That's a big God. Look, look at what else, though. Listen, again, you're asking, why should I tremble? Listen to who Isaiah reveals God to be. Look further than me. Verse 2. He says, all these things my hand has made. So literally there, all these things, right, that my hand has made. And again, he's talking, look, we've already said in context, the heaven and the earth, right? We're looking at the entire universe. Astronomers tell us that there are three septillion stars. That's a three with 24 zeros after it. Three septillion stars. And each one of these stars puts out roughly the same amount of energy as a trillion atom bombs every second. Hear that again. Three septillion stars in the universe. Okay? Each one of these puts out roughly the same amount of energy as a trillion atom bombs every single second. Some of these are so big that they defy description, right? And so listen, Etna the Karenay, I don't know if that's pronounced correct pronunciation right but it's there in the milky at milky way it's five million times brighter than our sun and the word of god says that god spoke and all of this came into being that's what isaiah is saying listen everything right is my hands have made i spoke all of this into existence that's how big this god is right three septillion stars 10 trillion atom bombs energy every second they're putting off. We have no idea the magnitude and the might and the power of this God. Look, look what else he says here, though. Uh, further in verse 2. And so all these things came to be. Look what he says there. All these things came to be. Listen, he's saying that, listen, everything that lives or moves owes its existence to God. And that includes you and that includes me. Everything that lives or moves, right? I mean, that's what we hear. Let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord, right? I mean, if you're reading the Psalms, just talking about the creatures, the ocean deep and all of these, these creatures and sun and moon and stars, everything that is created. Listen, Romans 8 says the creation is groaning, longing for the day when they will be freed from this curse that they can freely Worship God. Even the creation is longing for it. Are you longing for that? Do you have a desire to worship this God who created everything? This is the God whom you worship. This is the God, beloved, who I'm compelling you today to come and tremble before. And here's what's challenging about this. You have to hear about this God from somebody like me. There's no, listen, listen, I share that realistically, honestly. There's no perfect preacher we are fallen men doing our best to describe to you an indescribable God. And so there's going to be every single time you listen to a sermon, a reason why you should check out and not listen. Because you are hearing from someone who is fallible and struggles every single time, whether it's in this church or any church. And yet, and yet, listen to what Paul says. This is beautiful, right? Paul recognizes this. Look what he says. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this. So somebody says here that here's what he's thanking God for, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you heard from 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 people like me. 
You accepted it. Listen to this. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God. Is that not a beautiful moment? I mean, is that not a moment for all of us to rest as teachers in this church? Is that not a place for you to rest as you share the gospel and and your job? Is that not a place for you to rest as you try to bring your family together? Maybe it's chaotic like mine when you try to have family worship in your home. And it's like, man, is anybody getting it? Right? I mean, you've got to come to this place. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you believers. So listen, beloved, you may be tempted today to sit back and rate. How's the music? How's the preaching? How friendly are they? How long's the service? What do they have for my children? What do they have for my students? Right. And on and on. And yet you may be here doing those very things and forgetting that according to Revelation two and three, the God of the universe, Christ himself is looking and evaluating you. So be careful what glasses you put on this morning, how you've evaluated things, and don't forget that you yourself are a participant of worship in this place. The great prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, speaking and preaching on this very passage, commented about a man named of George Fox. Fox was the famous founder of the Society of Friends. You might know them as the Quakers. Listen to what he says, and they were known for no other reason than this, that often when the Spirit of God was upon him and he spoke the word with power, he would quake from head to foot beneath the burden of the message. It is an honorable title. No man need be ashamed to quake. When Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, in the presence of God a man may well tremble. Surely he is worse than the devil if he does not, for even the devils believe and tremble, according to James. Demons go the length of that and he knows that God and has any sense of his infinite power and inconceivable purity and justice must tremble before him. Listen, Spurgeon says, I believe George Fox not only quaked himself, but he made others quake. And if we tremble at God's word, we shall make others tremble. True power, when it rests upon us, will discover our own weakness, but it will not itself be hindered. It's a beautiful moment, right, that we are all weak and broken, and yet God uses weak and broken people to share his word. I want to ask you, when's the last time you trembled at God's word? Like for real, if I could just like maybe leave you with one question, if you and I just sit down just for a moment across the table, right? It's part of my application today, but I asked the staff on Wednesday night, guys, when's the last time you trembled at God's word? Because I'm trying to remember, and I can't remember for myself. I'm just being straight with you today. It's a scary thing. I'm being honest, I have a heart issue. I know that, right? Like I, I, I'm asking myself, God, when's the last time I've trembled at Your Word? And I'm struggling to remember it. And so I, I asked our staff this week, and maybe I, I want to ask you, when's the last time you trembled at God's Word? Can you remember? When's the last time we experienced it here as we corporately gather? When's the last time this church body just experienced trembling? I've seen this God who is infinite and worthy and we so separated from Him. And as He says there, we're in our great weaknesses and yet this God loves us so much that He sends His Son to die for us. Like when will the seriousness of our sin and separation from a holy God and yet the grace of God toward us in Christ Jesus, when will those things move us? To obedience, right? That's what trembling is. It moves them. It launches them to obedience. 
Listen, Jesus speaks to the most religious people on the face of the earth in Matthew 23, verse 27, and he calls them whitewashed tombs. Now, the reason why is because you didn't want to step on a tomb because you would become defiled. So that they would literally make them as wide as they could so everyone would see them and not step on them and become defiled so you couldn't worship. And Jesus says, that's what you are. You appear like these whitewashed tombs. You appear outwardly like everything is holy and great. He says, but on the inside, you are full of dead men's bones. Outwardly, you appear righteous, but inwardly, you are corrupt. You see, we've heard about this true worship. Those who tremble at God's word, they hear it, they obey it, they follow it. But there's also false worship. And Isaiah shares that with us as he often does, like these two paths. Look what he says, beginning in verse 3. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. So again, we've got the slaughtering of an ox. A couple things to start to say. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one excuse me, who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. Listen, there's sacrifices, there's grain offerings, there's memorial offerings. All these were required according to Levitical law right back in the Old Testament. It seems like they're doing what God said. Like this appears to be biblical worship. Why is God upset with that? Right? Like why is God upset that it seems like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing according to the law? Look what he says in verse 4. I also will choose harsh treatment for them and bring them their fears upon them. That's a terrifying statement. God bringing your fears, like the things that you most fear, bringing it upon you. Because. So this understands, right? This, why is this ritual and not relationship, right? That's what we're asking. Why is this false worship and not faithful worship? Why is this unbiblical and not biblical worship? Because it sure appears from it outwardly they're doing exactly what God asked. Look what he says, verse 4 of Isaiah 66. Because when I called, no one what? No one answered. When I spoke, they what? Did not listen. But they did what was evil in my eyes and chose that in which I did not delight. They're obeying outwardly, going to the temple. They knew the sacrifices. But inwardly, there is no desire to actually hear God's word and obey it. That's true trembling. To hear the word of God and obey it. Right. I mean, maybe you have those moments when a moment of temptation comes on you and maybe it's to repay evil for evil. Like maybe it's to, to tailgate that jerk that just pulled out in front of you. Right. Anybody else struggle with that? Yeah. See a few of you. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's that moment like when you, some of you got brothers or sisters and they do something like just annoys you like crazy. And you just can't wait to get even like some of you like you live there like with that spouse. Right. And you're like, dude, if they do that, just one more. Just do it once again. Just just do me a favor. Do it once again and watch what I like. Do you do you like deal with like these hard moments? Like maybe the coworker that just annoys the I don't know what out of you. I right? just like just like, ah, do you not desire in those moments to show that repay evil for evil? Is it not in those moments? though you experience the spirit say, no. Forgive as I've forgiven you. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Do you experience those moments? And it's often in those moments when we don't answer and we don't listen. That's what he's, he's dealing with that, real life. We can come in the church, we can smile, we can do all those things, but it's in those moments of real life, of living it, that we sense the conviction of the Spirit. We hear the leadership of the Spirit, maybe brings to our mind the Word of God, maybe something you've heard, a, a verse that you've memorized, and yet when God speaks, we don't answer, we don't listen, we just go our own way. We give in to our flesh. Beloved, listen. 
I'm convicted of how little I hear and obey the Word of God. I want to ask you again, when's the last time you trembled? And it might well answer for all of us why we see so little of God at work in our lives and in our church and our community. Listen, false worship, it invades all of our hearts. We have to fight against the desire to raise our hands so that others in here will think we're more spiritual. Or you have to fight against trying to sound so good that people around you think, oh, I didn't know they had that range. Or you have to fight against opening up your Bible with your journal and your 13 highlighters and thinking, oh, man, that's spiritual. And listen, maybe those are like, you're like what, what are you trying to say? Those are just things I struggle with. I don't know about you. Those are just moments I have in this place. At times I'm like, God's like, dude, why are you raising your hand right now, bro? You want all the people behind you to think you're spiritual? Why are you trying to sing like that? You think Miss Joanna's going to be impressed? She knows what you sound like, right? Come on, the judges have heard you, brother. Like, why, why are you pulling out the highlight in the notes right now? Why you got the Greek Bible in here this morning? You're trying to look spiritual in front of your boys? Try to show them? Listen, so, so don't, listen, some of you may hear that and think, well, I'm not raising my hand again. So much for journaling in here, right? So much for singing. No, listen, the point is, you've got to constantly guard your heart. Because you can do all those things and it's not true and genuine. We can just be posing in this place. We can be faking it. And my guess is if you're anything like me over here in the second row, you deal with some of the same stuff too. It may look different for you. And so listen, when God calls to us and says, Blake, that's fake, dude, stop. I can either just go on with the hand up. I can get it right, even in that moment as we're singing. God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, transform me. Listen, this is, this is, this is hard. A hard statement, but listen what happens here. Hear the word of the Lord, verse 5. You who tremble at His word. So again, he, notice that. The trembling of the word is connected to hearing. Okay, It's connected to hearing God's word, which would assume, according to all the many other examples we have, I don't have time to walk through many of them today, but they hear and they obey. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at His word. Your brothers, now this, this, is, this is a challenging statement, right? All of us need to slow down here this moment when we hear this. Your brothers who hate you and cast you out, of my name, out for my name's sake have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But it is they who shall be put to shame. The sound of an uproar from the city, a sound from the temple, the sound of the Lord rendering recompense to his enemies. This is a terrifying moment. Those who appear to be a part of us actually aren't. So you need to, I mean, let's just be honest. As Paul says, we need to test ourselves to see if we are in the faith. This morning, would you just slow down? Before you rush back out, listen, my day's packed full. I get it. I'm with you. I mean, it's part of my struggle. I mean, it's part of yours. We don't ever slow down. We don't ever have time to rest. God himself on the seventh day did what? He rested. Not because He needed to. He's setting a pattern for us. And so sometimes I've got to ask myself, if I'm not ever resting, what's it say about my faith? What example am I setting for my children? What example am I setting for the church? Listen, so listen, again, these are people that are a part of the congregation, your brothers, and yet they're enemies. And we might just say, well, man, I'm glad when God reveals the fakes and the frauds that are among us. Before we rejoice in that, we need to remember that Paul says in Romans 5 that that's actually who we are. Verse 10. 
For if while we were enemies, notice that we were not after. Notice that 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 tense is important. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. Come on, stay with me. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? Did you hear that? We were enemies. This is a beautiful moment. You can be reconciled today. Listen, I love it, right? I mean, in the song, I try to find out exactly where. Yeah, come ye sinners, poor and needy. Listen to these words. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Some of you are doing that. You're tarrying until you get your life cleaned up well enough, your marriage in good enough shape, your finances in good enough order, until you stop cussing, you stop lying, you stop doing all this. Then you'll come to God. No, let this text say, come right now. For if, this is what he says, while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son on the cross. It's the hope of the gospel. So when we read Isaiah and we hear about the enemies, we must all remember that we too once were enemies and we must now pray for grace upon grace upon others who are among us and have not yet recognized that they too are enemies of God. Man, I could say so much more. Maybe just a couple of things in application. Where are the tremblers? Again, just that question I keep posing. When is the last time that you trembled? As you heard the Word of God. Right? I mean, it it includes, listen, there's times when it may be actually physical trembling. Daniel heard the Word of God through a messenger in Daniel 10 and 11. It says this, While he was speaking this Word to me, I stood trembling. That's a far cry from reading the Bible or hearing a sermon and dozing off. It's totally different. Listen, Daniel's hearing God's word and it says he stood trembling. I, I could share Habakkuk and on and on. Maybe this 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 just one more. Jeremiah received the Lord's word to preach judgment. His whole body shook inside. Listen, it says, my heart is broken. I, Jeremiah 23 and 9. My heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I have become like a drunken man, even like a man overcome with wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. There's a sense of like, this is God's Word. I said, this is God's Word. The Word by which you will be judged for all eternity. So we must ask this question this morning. When's the last time I tremble? Secondly, trembling will prove costly. Trembling will prove costly. This past week, Emily and I were looking through a streaming service, trying to find a show to watch. And we thought, hey, man, that looks good. It'll probably be okay. And before long, there was a scene that came on, and there we were. I don't know about you. Maybe you fast-forward through those. And we actually had some of this discussion with some guys and now they're meeting together. And the truth is, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, God is present in that room. And I've had people listen. The reason why I'm saying it, it trembling proves costly Because you've got to say, you know what, God, either I'm going to honor you in this moment, maybe when the church isn't here watching. But I'm guessing if you were at my house, you'd be like, preach, you watching that, bro? What are you going to do? And then I just looked at each other and like, man, another show we can't watch. Like, is there anything? I mean, the only thing we've found so far is like Andy Griffith, The Little House on the Prairie. That's it. Scouts of Honor, for real. 
So, I mean, I, listen, the reason why I say it proves costly is because you get on the outside of the culture. Like, we'll be, like, with other folks, and, like, people are talking about these new shows and all that. And we're like, man, we, we just feel like we just can't watch those. Like, they don't honor the Lord. And, again, each person may have to follow their own conviction in this on where you think that line is. But my point is, it'll cost you. Why? Because you may feel like, hey, we need to no longer watch that. And so now when everybody else is talking about this show or what's going on in that culture or what's happening there, you're on the outside. And if you're not careful, you so want to be a part of the kingdom of this world that you forget about the kingdom that is to come. And it's hard. I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you. It's hard. I have weak moments. So instead of thinking again about what you're going to miss watching on that show or, or being on that website or whatever that conversation that everybody at work's having or all your friends or whatever, how want you to think about what you're gaining in God's kingdom? Third and last application is we must disciple. We can't hear this today and think those people are good. Why? Because these people have all the sacrifices down, right? If you ask them, hey, man, do you go to the temple? Absolutely. Are you part of the uh, sacrifice? Absolutely. And yet God himself calls them his enemies. So my point to you is we've got to go a little bit deeper when we're talking to people. Hey, do you go to church somewhere? And the moment they say they go to church, oh, that's good. Because we may be saying they're good all the while. God says that person's actually his enemy. So it calls us to have discipleship conversations to tell me, well, what's going on in your life spiritually? Tell me about your church. How are you living with the Lord? How are you putting off sin? How are you dealing? Maybe you share your struggles of, man, I've been trying to watch shows and my wife and I, man, we, I mean, like every show seems like there's just an issue. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with moments when your relationships struggle? Right? I mean, we must begin, listen, what if, I mean, we need to ask that question. Some of you assume just because your children or your grandchildren go to church, they're good. Can we just stop that just for a moment? These people go to the temple and they're a part of the sacrifices that God calls them as enemies. We must say that it must go deeper than what appears outwardly. It has to come to the heart. And listen... It's hard. It is hard to have those conversations. I'm sure with spouses for some of you. Some of you maybe got family like me that are lost. It's hard. Got friends. And because you're worried, right? Listen, I get it. You're worried if you have that conversation, it's going to make everything awkward. And here's what God said to me. The truth is we often tremble more about that relationship than we tremble about this relationship. So today I'm just compelling you and me, that we must go deeper in our conversations with our children, our grandchildren, our co-workers, friends in the community, to have conversations. Not only do you go to church, tell me how you're doing spiritually. And this is called discipleship as you walk beside one another, sharpening one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. As our musicians make their way, I leave you with these words. I remember I first heard this Many years ago when God was transforming my life. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him on the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they rolled the stone away? The song goes on to say, sometimes, oh sometimes, it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. This morning, I want to ask, 
Were you there? Have you been there? To Calvary to see the God of the universe dying for you and I while we are yet still sinners. The God who laid His life down that any of these names, whosoever will may come, that any of those who are thirsting for the spiritual life may come and drink, that anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that any of these and any of you, like that Philippian jailer in Acts 16, come, fall on your knees and ask them, brothers, what shall I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's the hope of the gospel. This morning, would you come trembling? I pray, oh God, I pray in this place we be trembling. Pray with me. Father, I pray for more grace. You know, you see my life, God. I struggle, Lord. I'm not perfect. I don't want these people thinking there's a perfect God. There's a guy I can never live like. Lord, I'm just, I struggle like they do. I have weak moments like they do. I read the Bible a lot of days and I don't tremble. I just check it off my list. God, just in these moments, I know we're all rushed to get what's next or whatever. Lord, would you just would you do a work that I can never do, but Todd can never do? Would you just transform our hearts? And I, I'm saying start with me, God. I do not want to be fake, Lord. That's I struggle with that. You know that. I raise my hands in this place at times so people think I'm spiritual. You, you, you know that, God. It's not hidden from you. God, would you just change my heart? Would you change the hearts of any others here that maybe find themselves like I do? Please, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.